Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. We're absolutely delighted that you are here today with us as we kick off this brand new series, one of our favorite uh, summertime series called God on Film. Today we're going to be looking using the movie title, uh, The Avengers Age of Ultron. And of course, as he just explained to you, this movie is all about choosing a plan. And so as we start this today, I want to ask you, aren't you inundated with plans all the time? I mean, like when Rhonda and I was getting married, uh, or getting married, after we, about 13 years ago, we'd been married a while, uh, after we was going to build a house, and there was all these house plans to choose from. And then, you know, uh, you see that there's, there's, if you're a day in high school, there's all those plans you have to make at school, or going to the college, there's school plans, then there's wedding plans, and then there's cell phone plans, and then there's payment plans, and plans everywhere, right? We're indented, uh, inundated with plans. Plans. And so today, as we begin to talk about this, matter of fact, I've just come to my mind that uh, many of our uh, deacons have been meeting with uh, people that uh, specialize in helping us raise funds because we're going to start our expansion here in about a year and a half, and so we're trying to plan for that. And, and everybody, their plan's always the best plan. And that's what I find to be true. Is everybody's selling their plan because everybody knows their plan for our lives, right? I mean, everybody has the best plan. They say, my plan's the best for you. But what we have to discover is what is God's plan. And so it takes us to the title of the message today, or the how-to I want to carry you to. If you look on your message notes, it says this. How do you choose God's greater plan over what seems to be a good plan? That's the question we want to answer today. How do you choose God's greater plan over what seems to be a good plan? And here's something that I want you to remember as we go through this message today, because I hope that it will stay with you the rest of your life, and that is this. There's, it's on your outline. It's also on the screen behind me. It says this. Any good plan, any good plan that overrides God's greater plan is a what? I want to say that again, and then I want you to shout your part out again. Your part is a bad plan. You ready? Any good plan that overrides God's greater plan is a what? It's a bad plan. Now, I want to say that three or four times through the message today, and that's your part. You remember, your part is it's a bad plan. And that's exactly right. Because we're, we're, the options that we have, all of them seem good, but through God's Word, we have to choose greater. Not just good, but greater. And so we want to look at the five things today I want to share with you to help you do that in your life. And uh, we're going to go back to... Uh, to our grand, I'm going to talk about your grandmom and your granddaddy today. Mine too, Adam and Eve. We're going to go all the way back there from the very beginning and talk about some decisions, how to make right decisions from their lives and learn from their mistakes. And so if you go ahead and write down number one, let's get this one down and, and we'll move on. The first one is, believe God has a greater plan for your life. Believe that. 
as we talk about our grandparents, Adam and Eve, we see that Genesis 2 sets it up. It sets it up to where uh, God has provided this wonderful place. Look what it says with me on your outline. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of, of Eden to tend and watch over it. Notice that. So God had made, created the world for Adam and Eve. He created the world for us. I mean, that's why we have the world. I mean, just think about the earth that's just sort of sitting in space right now. You ever, you ever like, look at that as you study science and like, man, it's amazing how the world was just sitting there spinning, spinning, you know, just it stays right where it's supposed to be in the, in the middle of nothing. And God created that for Adam and Eve, this earth. And it's, it's a beautiful place. And you have to know before, uh, before sin came into the world, God created this garden and it didn't even rain. I mean, they didn't have a rainy day, cloudy day. The, wa the water just come up from the earth. There were springs that come up and watered everything. Everything was just wonderful. And so God created, God had a better plan. God had a greater plan for, for Adam and Eve. And I just want to tell you this. God has a great plan for you as well. Jeremiah 29 and 11, it's on your outline. And the Bible says this for you and me. It's our memory verse, so I hope you'll memorize it. It says, for, God is saying this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you what? Come on, shout that out. What? Hope. Plans to give you hope and a future. Man, we could use a little hope in our day, couldn't we? And God said, I've come to give you that. And no matter what's going on in your life, I want you to have hope. And so God has a plan for your life. Remember what we said in the beginning? Any good plan, any good plan that overrides God's greater plan is a what? It's a bad plan. That's right. It's a bad plan. So that takes us to number two. I'd like for you to write this down. Silence the voices that bring doubts about God's greater plan. Adam and Eve had this experience of the fullness of life. God said, okay, I created all this for you. They enjoyed it. I mean, it was wonderful. They worked the land. I mean, as soon as they, as, when they, when they tilled the soil, put the seed in, it just grew. I mean, it had God's divine blessing over it. It was wonderful. The only thing that God said to them was, there's a tree over here. And over here, this tree, I don't want you to ever touch this tree. I don't, I don't want you to eat its fruit. I don't want you to touch it because if you do, you're going to die. And that's that simple. 99.9% of that garden, they had access to everything. It was all of theirs. It's just this one tree over here. God says, if you touch it, you're going to die. Don't touch it. Don't even, don't take its fruit. Don't touch it. I've had people say, you know, well, why would God even put a tree in the garden? Well, here's what I've come to understand. Because if there is no choice, there can be no love. And so until you choose to love God, until you choose to love someone, then there really is no love. And so that one tree says, okay, because we're choosing not to touch that tree, just because God said not to, if we're doing it just because he said not to, it's going to show our love to God. And so, so the story goes on, as, and as our grandparents experienced, which is true, is that God told them, and so the, the serpent, the, the snake, you know, the devil come to Eve, and he began to say, you know, what did God say about that tree? And she said, well, God said that, you know, we're not to touch that tree, and if we touch any of the fruit, if we eat it, we're going to die. 
Now listen to the voice of doubt that's coming right now. Look at this passage in Genesis. In Genesis 3, look what the serpent said. No, you won't, the snake replied. Oh, would you read this next line out loud with me with a little sarcasm? You ready? Here we go. God understands. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever, have you ever heard anybody say, I know what the Bible says, but... <laughs> you ever heard that? You ever use that line yourself? Oh, don't look at me now. I know you're going, oh, no, I don't know. I've never said that. I know what the Bible says, but the moment that you put the but on the end of that statement is the moment that you're opening yourself up right back to the same problem that our grandparents had. And that's why we can talk about them, and it, and it makes sense to us in our life today. It's because the same lie that was fed to them. I know what God says, but or God understands that you really need that. And, and, and for everybody else that's in a better situation, that's for them. But for you, you know, you're in this situation, so God will understand. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? The same lie that was sold and believed in the beginning that brought destruction to our grandparents is the same lie today that's being sold and when believed brings destruction to our lives. Isn't that amazing? You know why that is? It's because the same devil that was present then is the same devil that's present now. Do you agree with that? It is. And so we have the same issues. That's why the Bible, you know, many people say the Bible is outdated, irrelevant. No, it isn't. It still reads your mail. Why? Because God wrote it for human beings and it's never been outdated. We have the same problems as our grandparents had. And so she says, so let's go back to the scripture. No, you won't. The snake replied, God understands that what will happen on the day you eat the fruit from the tree you will, see what you, have, you will see what you have done, and you will know the difference between right and wrong, just as God does. In other words, you're going to be just like God or better than God. When you add the but on to, when you say, I know what God says, but, or you begin to excuse yourself and say, God will understand the moment that you do that, you are overriding God and you are choosing to become your God. And it's a very dangerous place to be. And by the way, let me just tell you something. You know that you can always find someone to agree with you on any stupid thing. Do you know that? You, I'm t- you can find some, no matter how bizarre, how stupid, how weird it is, there's always somebody who'll say, yeah, you ought to do that. And many people are just looking for one person to agree with them. And if that one person will agree with them, then they're going to go do something stupid. You see, God says, if you will listen to my word, then you will have the life that you desire. And then you you will understand what God wants you to do. And so... One of the things I like to say to you today is that when people use this statement, when we use this statement, I know what God says, but we understand that jails fill up, marriages break up, families split up. Did you hear that? When we use a statement, I know what God says, but as soon as we put that but on there, all of a sudden people do stupid things, jails fill up, marriage break up, families split up. And so we have to have someone in our life to speak truth to us. I don't always like it when people speak truth to me. Do you? I don't mind speaking truth to you, but I don't always like to hear the truth. 
and neither do you. But we need that in our lives. And that's why God puts Christian brothers and sisters in our lives. And one of the, that's why God created the church, is so that you would have people around you that when you're about to go out and you're about to take, take a bite of that fruit that God says don't, that you have people around your life that can say, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that because the Bible says this, and there's no but on the end of this. It's very clear. And that's why we have a church. And I would like to invite you, as Chris has already talked about, I invite you out to our Discovering Stockbridge Community Church so that you can find out what this church is about and find out if this is what you want to be a part of or not. And join the team. Become a ministry partner that we can change the world together. Man, we're going to do this. We're going to change our community and our world together. So I invite you in. And if you're interested in that, I'd love for you just on the back of your connection card, just check the box that says, I'll come out to Discovering Stockbridge Community Church. You just check that. appreciate it. Remember what we said in the beginning? Any good plan that overrides God's greater plan is a what? It's a bad plan. It's a bad plan. That takes us to the third thing I'd like to share with you today. Here we go. Number three is ask God daily for the power to overcome your temptation. As you're writing that down, I have a question. What is the one thing in your life, the one thing in your life that looks good, that feels right, but God says is wrong. What's that one thing? You know what that one thing is called? It's called temptation. And every one of us sitting in this room has one of those. What's the one thing? One thing, it looks good, and it feels right, but yet God says it's wrong. What is that one thing in your life that's that way? And the Bible says that's called a temptation. It means that we begin to lean into that. And so we go right back into the Scripture, and we find out that our grandparents had our problem with this, and, and, and the fall comes because all of a sudden she began not to confess that problem. What, what I want to say to you before I even read that Scripture, let me just say this to you. What I've learned to do, what I challenge you to do, is go ahead and name what you just thought about. Most people try to hide from that. Look what happens here with Adam and Eve. Here we go. Back into the Scripture. Genesis 3 says this. The woman stared at the what? At the fruit. Remember that one tree over here? One tree. God says, don't touch that tree. Don't eat any of its fruit. All of a sudden, we see the woman stared at the fruit. It looked beautiful and what? Tasty. Now, remember that one thing we talked about? Your tree over here that you have in your life, the tree I have in my life, doesn't it look tasty sometimes? Come on now, don't look at me like that. Yeah, it looked, some, that temptation that we had, it looked so good, and it looks like it would be, and if we could just go ahead and do that, and just ignore God's Word just for a few moments, because we know what's better, it's beautiful, it's tasty. And Adam and Eve had this problem. My question to you is, what is your tree? What is the tree that you deal with every day? What's the one temptation that you deal with every day? You know, maybe you're in this room, maybe you're a shopaholic. Maybe they, you know, you keep your family so indebted with credit card bills that you can hardly breathe because you have a spending problem. Maybe that's your tree. Maybe, you know, maybe you struggle with porn. Maybe, that, maybe that's your tree. Maybe that's what's the thing that you deal with. You know, can I tell you this? That with the things that you struggle with as a teenager and the things that you struggle with as a young adult will probably be the things that you struggle with later on in life. They don't get better with age. Would you agree with that? And so that's why church is so important for your children and your grandchildren, 
So if we can partner together to help keep them out of some of these things instead of experiencing that stuff, then they won't struggle with it when they get to be 30. Amen. Did you hear that? And so it's important to have your kids a part of God's family to help them out with some of those things as well. So she says, it's, 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 uh, the woman stared at the fruit. It looked beautiful and tasty to her. Now look what she said. She wanted it. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Isn't that what we think the temptation is? Everything that we think about the tree, the thing that we just named in our lives, our temptation, everything about that, we think that it will give us what we need. The whole time God is saying, no, it won't. It will only bring harm and pain to your life. But here's what I want you to know. If you look at it long enough, and if you think about it long enough, eventually you're going to go over and you're going to take a bite of it. And you're going to find out the pain that the Scripture warns you about. I've experienced so many people who have, their homes have been broken up because they, they looked at it long enough, they thought about it long enough, and listen, they made a bad decision. So that brings me to this thought. Here you go. You ready for this? Intoxicated people don't make good decisions. Would you agree with that? You ever seen a guy just drunk as a skunk? I've never seen a skunk drunk, but I understand that's a terminology, right? That'd be a pretty weird sight, wouldn't it? Hey, there's a drunk skunk. I don't know how that come up. But the guy was, have you ever seen people that's blasted? Now, that don't look like that because I know some of your background. I know some of you used to be that way, right? But you see, a person that's blasted, I mean, do they make good decisions? No. Shoot, I worked for a pastor, one, uh, or my home pastor, when I was a teenager, had an accident, and he got burned really bad. He was put into the hospital. And uh, he never had any pain medicine in his life, and never drank anything in his life. And uh, then in the hospital, they put him on this pain medicine. I walked in. It was a real small hospital. I walked in, and there was nobody in the room but me and the little nurse coming there. And all of a sudden, this man is one of the most godly men I know, but he's a little high. He's flying high. He's loaded. This man is the most godliest man I know. All of a sudden, says, come here, sweetie, honey, bunny, bunny, sweetie, bunny. All of a sudden, he become a love machine to that little nurse. I was like, whoa, pastor, whoa, 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 pastor. No, and he started pulling his pants down and said, honey, look here where they've been sticking me at. It's just crazy. A man that's junk, drunk or a woman that's drunk don't make good decisions, do they? No, they don't. Stupid stuff happens. Many of you, if we were to go back through some of your past, you go, oh, boy, I don't want to talk about that. Stupid things. Here's what I want you to know. Many of us in this room are intoxicated, not with alcohol, but with the tree. You see, we're intoxicated because we keep looking at it, we keep thinking about it, how good it is, and we get intoxicated with the thought, I've got to have that, I've got to have that. And nobody, and people around you say, no, 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 slow down, don't do that. And you don't listen to anything they say because you drunk as a skunk over that. Every one of us in this room has been there. Intoxicated people don't make good decisions. That's why Paul tells us that we have to learn to pray about these things. Look what it says in the Scripture here. 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about praying about the temptation. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. What do, what do you want God to take away? The tree. The tree, the temptation. So I pray, take it away. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Look what he says. Would you read out loud what's underlined? You ready? For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in your weakness. This is what I had to do. 
I've had to understand that I have to pray about my tree all the time. You know what? I understand that if I'm talking to God about it, it's hard to just talk to me about it. Did you hear that? See, when I'm asking God for His power to help me overcome temptation, guess what? My temptation loses power over me. Did you hear that? In other words, I don't have the power to stay away from my tree, so God says, when you talk to me, I'll give you the power to overcome that because you can't do it on your own. Remember the Lord's Prayer? How that Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember that? Jesus said, you don't have the power to take care of the tree by yourself, but if you'll talk to God, if you'll spend time in prayer daily asking God and saying, God, I am tempted with this. Name it. Instead of hiding from it, just name it. Just name it. Remember what we said, any good plan, any good plan that overrides God's greater plan is a what? It's a bad plan. Number four, would you read, write this down? Stop blaming others for past bad decisions. It's time to let them go. Let's go right back to our grandparents. Are you ready? Come on, just while your heads are down, just go ahead and look at this passage with me. Look what it says. The Lord called out to the men, and remember, they've already eaten of the fruit by now, and they realize that they've sinned and it's bad. So the Lord called out to the man and asked, where are you? The man answered, I was naked. Okay, there's a difference between being naked and naked. Naked means you have no clothes on. Naked means that you're up to something. Okay, just a thought. <laughs> He says, I, I, the reason I hid is because I'm, I'm naked. In other words, I feel shame because of what I just done. I took of the, I took of the tree, so I'm, I'm hiding. I'm, I feel shame. It goes on to say, I was naked, and when I heard you walking through the garden, I, it, I was frightened and hid. Why? Because when God's coming his way, he said, I can't get away from God, and he was ashamed, and shame always brings pain. When we remember what we did against God, it brings pain in our life. He goes on to say this. How did you know you were naked, God asked. Did you eat any fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden? And he said this, oh boy, here we go. Look what he said, you ready? It was the who? Oh, it was that woman you gave me, God. I told you she was bad. It was that woman you gave, it was that woman you put here with me, the man said. Now notice what happened. Shame always results in pain, and pain always results in blame. Look what happened to the lady. We're not going to leave Eve out of this. He goes on to say, She gave some of the fruit to me, and I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, What have you done? Here we go. Let's read it out loud together. Come on, out loud. You ready? The snake tricked me. <laughs> In other words, it went, Adam said, That woman, and, and she went, That snake. But notice what they said. She said, the snake tricked me, she answered, and I ate some of the fruit. Look what happened. She began to say, Adam and Eve said this, God, it's not our fault, it's your fault. If you hadn't given me that woman, God, I wouldn't have took a bite of that. She said, God, if you hadn't put that snake in the garden, then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, been tempted with the fruit. It really, God, you allowed it, so it's your fault. Mm, 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 mm. How many times do we say, well, God made me that way. God didn't make you a liar. You grew up into that. 
God didn't make you with your problems. We're going around the world today. Well, God made me this way, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. God didn't make you that way. If it's not according to this book, God didn't make you that way. You learn how to be that way. Did you hear that? Make you? Make you. God made me that. Are you kidding me? The same thing they said. It's the same story, same story. Why? Same devil, same devil, same story, same temptation. That's why the Bible is relevant for you today. The devil made me do it. Blame game. You see, when we feel shame, we have pain, and we try to deal with it with blame. But what I want you to know is this. You will never release the pain until you release the blame. Who are you blaming? Are you blaming God? Are you blaming your husband, your wife, your children? You're bringing a friend. Who are you blaming? It's time to let go of the blame. Because you know why? You can never fix the problem as long as you're fixing the blame. You have to let go of that. Own up to this. Yes, someone may have hurt you a while back, but listen, let it go. Let go of the blame and take your part of the responsibility and move on. That you might get better. That you may get better. So I put a, a next step on your connection card, and it simply says this. I will stop blaming others for my past. Would you check that box today, that you will stop blaming others for your past pain and move on today? Okay, remember what we said in the beginning? Any good plan, any good plan that overrides God's greater plan is a what? It's a bad plan. It's a bad plan. Takes me to number five. Number five is this. Remember what God did to save you. We learned this lesson from our grandparents that God, once we have partaken of the tree, that God doesn't just write us off. He did promise that death would come. And it did come. Adam and Eve was created to never die. Matter of fact, you're created to never die. Your heart is... Your heart is actually created to, to be forever. It's the things that we do to it. Sin has brought that into the world. But look what's happened here. As soon as God confronts them and now, you know, they're, they're confessing, uh, fessing up before God. And look what happens here in, in Genesis 3 and 21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skin for Adam and his wife Eve. That's very significant. You know why? Because remember in the beginning how, God, how Adam named all the animals? You know what? When, when, at my house when I was a kid, we lived out in the country. And every once in a while, a stray animal would come up to our house. And our, we, the, we had a lot of animals. And, and so there would be times that one would come up and my parents would not let us name that animal because they was going to make sure that it got to wherever it needed to go. It wasn't going to stay at our house. Because they knew if we named an animal, it was there. Right? I mean, once your kids give a name, and you as a kid, once you give a name to an animal, like we even had a little farm, and, and we had little goats, and our granddad was make sure we didn't name those goats. <laughs> like, uh-uh, someone, someone's going to have that, and they're, they're probably going to roast it or something. You know, I don't know, but you're not naming it. Adam named all the animals. In other words, those animals were, were named. They, they had meaning and purpose in his life. And guess what? God had to kill a lamb to make them clothing. The first animal sacrifice happened because God wanted to cover Adam and Eve, not only their physical body, but also their blood. Instead of Adam and Eve's blood, it was the animal, it was the lamb's blood. And that's where animal sacrifice began. 
Now, I know some of you, when you read the Bible in the Old Testament, you see all these animal sacrifices, you think, why is that? I want to give you just about a three-minute reason why that happened. The first reason is with animal sacrifice is because it was a psychological reason. It had a psychological impact. Do you know that when a person sinned and they were bringing their, their uh, animal to the altar, they would actually lead the animal to the altar. The priest would be there, but it was a person who sinned that actually would have to lay their hand on the animal's head and as they would have to themselves take the dagger into the animal's body and slit its throat and watch its blood drain out where they would understand that that animal died instead of them dying. You say, Pastor Jeff, why? Here's why. Today, you and I have the Holy Spirit living in our lives. When we become a Christ follower, we have this still small voice that says, hey, don't touch that tree. You're getting too close to that. And you know, your heart starts raising. You know when you're doing that, your conscience is going, right? Well, in their day, they didn't have a relationship with God. Remember that? Adam and Eve had sinned. And so they didn't have a relationship with God. Jesus had not come yet. And so the only thing that could be a conscience was the animal. They knew that when they sinned, when they, created the, when they did these sins that were going to ruin their life, that when they sinned, they would have to take their best animal and they would have to go kill it. It became their conscience. You see that? God said, I would rather animals die than you die because the wages of sin is death. And if you don't have a conscience about sin, you'll die. And I don't want that. So the animals had to die instead of the people. It became their consciousness. It also was a financial impact. Because they had to take their best animal, the animal that they paid the most for. So it, every time they sinned, it cost them something. And then it became also a, 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 a social impact. Because when they sinned, they had to take their animal in front of everybody, walk all the way in front of everybody. Everybody said, oh, there they go again. <laughs> they had to walk in, in there. with their, they, When they walked in with their animal, they knew they were going to confess a sin. And so it was a social impact. And by the way, you're only as sick as your secrets, right? So they had to do some confessing. And then it was a spiritual impact. The spiritual impact was this, is that they learned that sin separated us from God and God from us. That's why it was so important. It was a reminder of what happened. But thank God, God sent Jesus. And that's why it's so important for you today. You should never take Jesus lightly. Let me say it again. You should never take what Jesus did for us lightly. Because, you see, God allowed those Roman soldiers to put their hands on his head. They allowed those Roman soldiers to put their whips in their hands and beat him for our sake so that we might be saved. Look what the Scripture says in John 4 9. He says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his, his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a what? He was the Lamb. Instead of God, when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed the Lamb and gave Him the covering. But when God said, no, I'm going to give us a permanent fix where I can have a relationship, and God sent His Son, His only Son. Would you look at this picture with me? That's for you. That's for you. Jesus died. He bled. He died for you, for you, and for you, every one of you. And listen, when you sin, it's not lightly. He paid a high price for you. And so we shouldn't, you know, it, it should have a, a, a physical, logical impact on our lives. It should have a social impact. It should be a financial impact. It should affect us every way because when we sin, we're like crucifying Jesus all over again. 
It matters. I know the world says, you know what, you can just say a prayer and it doesn't mean you can go do what you want to. No, 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 no. He, he, just like Adam saw his little pet sheep, God slayed him and, and, and killed him and his blood drained him and put a covering over him. Just like the little boy uh, or the young man who sinned had to bring his animal in and lay him down and put his hand on his head and, and kill him himself in his place. Jesus did that for you and me. In our place, so it should never be taken lightly. And Jesus said, all I want you to do is just be a follower of me. Look what he says in John 8 and 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, not if you pray a prayer one time and live any way you want to. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, many of us today are eating bad fruit from bad trees and you don't have any power and Jesus said I want to offer you that power and it only becomes when you're a Christ follower and so today I, I want to give you that opportunity today I want you to take out your program because I want to read you a prayer that if you will make this your personal prayer today you can move from just knowing about Jesus to becoming a Christ follower will you look at it with me and if this is you make it your prayer today it says dear Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, if you said, that's me, God, on the back of your connection card, I want you to check the box. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower before you leave so that I can pray with you. Would you stand with me now? Every one of you just stand with me. Do you think it's a, do you think it's a pretty... I like our prayer partners to go ahead and make their way on down as well. You think that's a pretty high price for somebody to pray for you, to pay for you? That they die for you? Do you think that's a, that's a pretty high price? Today, the only thing that God asks us to do is follow and worship Him. And the reason we worship Him is to say, we thank you so much for what you did, Jesus. We stand and we raise our arms and say, thank you. In a public setting like this, in a church where it's safe, we stand and we raise our arms and we say, thank you. That you gave your life for me and that I'm saved. These prayer partners are here today. If you have anything you want to pray about, they're here to pray with you to, to be the hand of God that will touch you and God will move through them and touch you. But for the rest of you that aren't going to move down and pray, I want you today in all that you can, I want you to just stand and worship Almighty God with us. Come on, let's sing this together. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.